What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 142 of Convos on the Pedicab. I'm here with my friend Will Cole. He is the um, head of product development at ZapRite, a Bitcoin invoicing company, as well as the uh, former head of product development at Unchained Capital. Literally, you got it, man. literally, I know, literally the best and safest way to uh, secure your Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, on the planet. Before we get started, we got to shout out our sponsor. Uh, have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside your home. Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only rate, five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a five, with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, call 512-937-8805 or visit balconesroofsaustin.com. All right, Will, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I was uh, about a, a week or so ago, I was uh, I was pedicabbing the, uh, <laughs> the permissionless um, conference through Blockworks. Oh, okay. I wasn't at that one. No, it was such, dude. It was such a shit. Show. It was such a clusterfuck. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of those here in Austin. Like, uh, it was you, you get all the good, but you, you get they, some of the bad. They paid in. us a lot of money for a charter, which is very nice. Nice. Um, but it was just like the the difference between Bitcoiners and shitcoiners is fucking wild. The more I'm learning about it, the more I'm hanging out with actual Bitcoin only people. How would you define the difference? Uh, in the pedicab world, what is the difference between a Bitcoiner? Do Bitcoiners tip better or? I think that Bitcoiners tip better, but Bitcoiners want to spend their Bitcoin and actually use their Bitcoin and they believe in their product and they get excited. Like yeah. when I've done Big Block Boom, I'm like, hey man, like even when I met you in person. Yeah, you drove me back. I, I, I gave you a ride. Yeah. And the only reason you got in my cab is because I said, dude, I, like send me whatever you want in Bitcoin. I don't care. Yeah. And then I got you in because I was willing to accept Bitcoin. Yeah. If I wanted Venmo or credit card, you would have walked. Oh, yeah. My dirty fiat. Yeah. What would you yeah. even want with that? I didn't want yeah. it, right? Yeah. These, these crypto bros. Half of them don't even have any Bitcoin. That's a shame. It's crazy. Like, or these people are talking about how they're like staking staking their money on like twenty percent yield services, and they talk about decentralized finance and decentralized money. But well, you know what you should say uh, if you're ever driving on one of, one of those guys again, just ask them where does the yield come from. I did actually did say that. You did? I did actually. Okay, I said okay, you okay. are. I was like, you understand that you are the actual yield. Yeah. When when this happens, right? But these people are also blown away when like a man on a tricycle is like. Sounding smarter than them. Yeah, when you've been about, on Bitcoin Twitter for fucking years. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When I've been on Bitcoin Twitter, and I have actual big, like semi-influential Bitcoiners that actually like my stuff sometimes and yeah. follow me, and I'm just like, you don't even know who you're talking to right now. But it is, it is really funny that um, I'm giving these like crypto bros uh, rides, and they probably think they're like, you know, they they walk around like an air of superiority, and they're staking their 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 money on like these exchanges that I've never even heard of, and overly complicating the simplest thing. And they're like, what about what are you doing? I'm like, you know. I just buy Bitcoin and put it in cold storage, no matter what the price is. And then when it gets to a certain level, I uh, will use it to improve my life. Good for you, And that, that's literally, yeah. oh, that's it. That's all I would say, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no advice. Yeah. There's no advice. That's, like, a, that's, that's a perfect, uh, perfect response. Dude, but these people were like, I think I got $50 worth of Bitcoin for the entire, like, of tips. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. But for like BitBlock Boom, it's in the hundreds. Yeah. yeah, in the hundreds. People will send Bitcoin. They'll want to send Bitcoin. They're excited about yeah. paying a Bitcoin. They want to show you how it works. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we did this all the time, uh, you know, in, in the early days, like, especially with like restaurants and, and waitresses and stuff like that. Like w one of my favorite things to do was to get a waitress to download a Bitcoin wallet and then tip her, you know, five X what she would normally get through Bitcoin just to like get her thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think more people need to do that. It's kind of a shame that Austin has such a Bitcoin hot spot, but nobody uses it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's true. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, do we want to get into this topic all the way? I mean, yeah, we have like an hour, but so we don't, have, you know, yeah. I want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So first of all, a lot of people do use Bitcoin and saving Bitcoin is using it. Right. So yeah. this idea that you have to be spending in order to be using your currency is nonsense. Right. In fact, I would say that like an order of operations is that is that what you really want, you know, with a with sound money, what you really want first is to know that it's going to hold its value over time and that you can not just like that the currency itself would hold its value over time, but that you can store it securely over time. So it makes sense that in Bitcoin's journey, you know, holding its value over time means, you know, is the 21 million limit credible, right? And that's a protocol layer thing where if, if you can make that claim and that really the only, the only way to prove that is, is for time to pass, right? And to see how difficult or how impossible it would be to inflate Bitcoin's currency. That gives it credibility in the mind of uh, people that already have it. It gives it credibility in, in the minds of people that would buy it. But then the very first thing you have to do is like, okay, if I think that's credible, I personally need to be able to store it securely. And so for years, Bitcoin has been you know playing with different custody models and things like that. And what I would say is that like, you know, over the past five years in particular, I would say that uh, Bitcoin security for the individual has you know, gone through several orders of magnitude changes in terms of its simplicity to do while also maintaining security is that those people are using Bitcoin, just putting it in cold storage. Like you told your crypto bros on your, on your yeah. ride, that's using Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. very important. Now you're saying spending Bitcoin, right? Or uh, accepting it as a payment, as a, yeah. as a payment structure, because you know, the, another value of money is the uh, scalability, which means the ability sure. to um, exchange Sure. value with one another yeah, yeah, yeah because if nobody wants to share anything then it also creates a different set of yeah yeah so i mean i think there's a couple of things at play there right is one is if you're holding a currency or you're holding you know uh bitcoin and numbers always going up compared to other currencies your incentive to spend it is actually very low right? yes but that's why i offer discounts for people who will send bitcoin yeah exactly and i'm like okay well well do you not do you, do you not want to pay $100 to go downtown from the Moody Center? Yeah. Well, you can send me $70 worth of Bitcoin. And I think what you're doing is actually how Bitcoin uh, as a unit of account and uh, medium of exchange is going to explode. Is that it's not because of what I was doing of trying to get, you know, restaurants and waitresses and stuff like that to accept the money I was carrying. Because I was just trying to teach them about Bitcoin. Yes. It's because people are going to demand it in payment, right? That's actually like, this isn't a hard chicken or egg thing. Like what comes first, be people being willing to pay in Bitcoin or people being willing or demanding to accept Bitcoin. It's people accepting Bitcoin. That's that, that has to come first. Yeah. But the first thing that needed to happen over the last few years is that you had to know, like you, you were mentioning, I hope I'm not doxing anything that you like cold cards, right? Well, is I just that, got one. So yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's because I'm learning more about yeah. keeping things, certain things safe. You would probably feel less. Uh, inclined to accept Bitcoin if you didn't think you could keep it secure. 
And what I'm trying to argue is that there's an order of operation in using, in quotes, Bitcoin, is that if you can't keep it secure, it's useless to demand it as payment, right? If you can keep it secure, then you start to build up the confidence to say like, well, I don't want to be paid in something else. Right? Yeah. Well, that's why people have like offered to pay me like send me ETH and other cryptocurrencies. Sure. And and I'll, I'll be like, sure, you want to do that? You can. Yeah. Um, but you, there's no discount. Yeah. There's there's no discount for that. Like you just What's pay your discount. For Bitcoin, like twenty five percent, thirty, you know, thirty percent or something. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's a fucking good discount. It's a good discount, yeah. yeah. Uh, or sometimes even more. Yeah, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on who the people are, right? Like, it, it's very market based. I had one lady during ACL last year yeah. who didn't know what Bitcoin was or anything like that, right? Yeah. And I gave her a ride, and it was like you know, just twenty, a normal twenty dollar ride. Mm -hmm. And I saw the Bitcoin thing, and and she's like, well, how do you want to get paid? And I was like, you know, uh, cash, Bitcoin, Cash App, credit card, Venmo, you know. And I'll say like the things that I want. My yeah. preferred payments will, are always the ones that I say first. So, sure. You know, cash, but like, you know, Bitcoin, cash, credit, credit, like, um. Just make sure you don't say Bitcoin cash. No, 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 yeah. I don't. I, 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 I. You, you yeah, just, just Bitcoin. And, and so she's like, well, I don't have any, I have, I actually have like, somebody gave me some Bitcoin a long time ago or gave me some money to buy Bitcoin a while ago. Um, and I don't even know how this thing works. Like, I don't even want this thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I can help you send that to me if you want. Yeah. And she didn't even have Bitcoin. She had dog, the Dogecoin. Uh, she had some dog money. She had on dog her. money, and ah, so I like, fuck. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, you don't have Bitcoin, but I could convert that for you if you want. Mm -hmm. So I converted like twenty five. I was like, okay, so you have like twenty five bucks. Is that okay? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And so I just converted it to Bitcoin and then sent it to a wallet right away. Yes. And then she just gave like, so I've had, I've had instances like that. Dude, where you're not done just it. running a pedicab. You're saving lives out I'm here. Saving lives. You're saving I'm lives. I'm literally improving my own life. I'm like on the hunt for as much BTC as possible. Like that's kind of <laughs> that's what it's been like this whole bear market. I'm just like. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you're cash apping me. This is excellent. Like I don't even put my Venmo on my thing. I put cash up and then I put <laughs> Bitcoin. You can do both in there. Because I'm just like, okay, well, I'm either gonna get KYC Bitcoin or KYC free Bitcoin. Yeah. And that's how I, how I look at it. Okay. But it's it, it's kind of insane that like only a small percentage of us actually will accept this for payment or advertise it, and I feel like we should be advertising it. Like since I mean, you have you know hundreds of these interactions every week. What percentage of people will actually pay you in Bitcoin? Probably less than two. Really. But it's one of those things where like people think that I'm like orange pilling people on the pedicab. Yeah. But that's not the that's not the goal. No, you're trying to get them somewhere. Well, yeah, no, the, the goal is for me for them to give me Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the goal is to, to accumulate KYC yeah. free sats, right? Like that's the goal. You have to and, work for it a little bit. You're yeah. Gonna, you're gonna have to do some some orange pilling in order right. to Right. And that kinda happens by default where people are like, yeah. Well, why why do you why do you like why Bitcoin? Bitcoin and they start laughing and I'm just like, Well, it's better money, you know what I mean? It does <laughs> it's it doesn't, it'll actually, it's programmed to appreciate in value. There's a, there's a supply cap. Like, and I say all the, the talking points, so I'm giving them a ride, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it just gets, gets you a decent tip or it gets you a good conversation or you get to talk about like macroeconomics with certain people and you know, whatever it is. And you get to learn and get some insight about what's going on. Cause you, you can, you take a lot of these corporate people all the time, Yeah. you know? Um, or like you might see, see someone like you and then they're like, Oh, I see the sign. I'm a Bitcoin person. I'll give you, I'll give you Bitcoin. Yeah. So it just, it's just there. And it, it's more like it's more just there, so people can know where I stand and that I want Bitcoin. And then like, what you got to do is you got to be as obstinate as the New York City cab drivers were. And like, when I got there in 2006, was yeah. right when they first started putting credit card yeah. machines in the cab, and every single one would be like, it, "It's broken. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't pay with card. You got to pay me cash." And they, and I think after like two or three years of this, Bloomberg was like, had to make that illegal because. No, you know, they would just claim that you couldn't pay in a card anymore. And so yeah. it's like, okay, I have you hostage in this car. I'm not letting you go until, you know, you, you give me cash. And you're like, well, I don't have any cash. They're like, well, I'll drive you to an ATM. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were they were cash pilling us. You, you can just be like, I, I just, 
I can't let you go until uh, well. So there's a problem. So there's a problem though. I know. I know. The problem is I actually will lose a lot of other rides. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it'd be a disaster for your business. It's a disaster. For but your business. but it would be good like on a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be slow anyway. Yeah. But let's. Uh, I tried to do that last South by Southwest. Uh, when it, I wasn't sure if we were in a like when the bear market first started, I was like, well, just buy it on Cash App. Yeah. Verify your ID. That's fine. You can verify your ID and verify all that information while while I'm driving you. That's 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 the best way to do it. Like Cash App's so simple. They can do it in five minutes or five seconds. Yeah, just buy it on Cash. If you want to save money, you can buy it on Cash. Just enter your ID and do all that stuff. Yeah, there buy you it. go. Yeah. Sorry. Buy it on I'm, Cash. I'll show gonna, you. Yeah. Now you're good. You're good. Around here. I should actually start getting back to doing that when it's slower. Yeah. I'm like, you can buy Bitcoin on Cash if you want to save a little. Be the money. most uncomfortable, you know, pedicab you know, driver in the city and just be like, I'm not letting you leave. Sorry, I want cab. Bitcoin. I want yeah. Bitcoin. I want Bitcoin. I'm not even going to take you anywhere. Yeah. I'll take you to the wrong place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I won't even let you leave to get the Uber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you have like a seatbelt that actually locks. Yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, dude, that'd be wild. That's hilarious. All right. So you work for, so you, you were at Unchained Capital. Yes. Okay. And um, you left to start a new venture. Yes. Tell us about that new venture. Yeah, so uh, it's called ZapRite. Uh, started by a uh, friend, uh, John McGill, who worked at a pleb lab down here. Um, also the Bitcoin Commons. Um, and really what happened was uh, last November when I left Unchained, um, you know, it took a little time, had another kid. and uh, uh, But ultimately, um, uh, our other business partner, Parker Lewis, and I, you know, we knew that we wanted to work together um on and we wanted to work in bitcoin but we really we honestly didn't know what we wanted to do at that time and so we were playing with a lot of different products like you know i found noster and i found uh i didn't even know what i didn't know what was going on in the world of lightning at the time like ellen addresses and stuff and uh we were just sort of playing uh playing around with, with what other people were building while we were building unchained and um I think it was the the sort of tipping point for us was when Parker was attempting to take payments on his uh, new blog setup, and of course I'm sitting right next to him in the Bitcoin Commons, and we're trying to figure out, you know, how you know how is he going to do this, and you know ultimately you know he wanted to do it in a sovereign way, but what I kept on telling him was you know why can't you just like you know you have a treasure why can't the money just go there right like uh, why why do we have to run a server or why do we have to go through these custodial loops you know before the money just ends up where you want it to end up um why can't the money just go to where you know, your cold storage or where your bitcoin's at rest anyway and um we started to get kind of excited about that we're like i'm sure there's something out there that does that and it turned out there wasn't i was i was surprised by that fact but there really wasn't anything where you could just bring a wallet that you already have that you're already comfortable with and um and put it into like a e-commerce or checkout you know type of solution and have the bitcoin go there it, it, it's really not a complicated idea and when we were looking around there was one thing that was kind of similar which was what john had been working on at ZapRite, and john had really taken that same back-end idea of like there's two people that want to exchange bitcoin um uh and they each have their own wallets right uh, I'm going to build a front end around connecting, you know, uh, one wallet to another. And he did it for the purpose of invoicing. He was a contractor. He was scratching his own itch. Um, and so when he was billing someone for design work that he was doing or, you know, whatever it was, uh, he could now invoice someone and say, you can pay me dollars, but you can also pay me Bitcoin. And that person could use any wallet they wanted to, to pay 
to John's wallet, uh, which he had built an interface over. Well, Parker Mind's idea was more around like e-commerce, but we were like, well, we like John. Why don't we go check with him and see if this is part of his vision for where he wants to take ZapRite. And, you know, it was really quick. Like, you know, John was like, yeah, I've been thinking about that. That sounds great. And we didn't necessarily want to be competing with John and ZapRite. And it just made a lot of sense to, you know, get together and uh, start this together. I, I Invoicing is a ma major part of ZapRite. It's uh, the most mature part of the product right now. But what you can also do as a merchant, if you're doing anything e-commerce, if you're selling a book, if you're selling hats, it doesn't really matter. Um, you can bring your Trezor, you can bring your Unchained configuration file, you can bring your Strike account. Uh, we're not, you know, biased, custodial or non-custodial. It doesn't really matter to us. We're indifferent. And we can increment addresses, and you can sell your stuff to your custody wallet of choice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've used it before, <coughs> but it was before you guys came on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really easy, really seamless. Like you just copy and paste your address, the the cold, the cold storage address. Yeah. Um, and we even added in XPub support, so you you don't even have to do a single address anymore. You can just throw in an XPub, and we'll increment the addresses uh, every time now, which is oh, kind of cool. That kind of makes sense because what I was worried about is um, what if somebody sent me money to that address before I got. Yeah, and like this is uh, you know Bitcoiners will warn you about address reuse. Um, it's not as big of a deal as a lot of people make it out to be in general. Um, uh, so say you have an address and someone pays to it and, you know, pays you 20 bucks to it and you have that same address and someone spends. But the numbers change in the ad. That's what I was wondering. Like, is that even still valid if someone sends you that same address? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. Uh, I thought that they have to generate a different number address. No, no. So what happens, I mean, you, you should, uh, that's, that's best practice. Or, but but yeah, like, that's what happens automatically, right? Like Unchained does it automatically. Correct. Yes. Yes, but I'm saying if you just pulled an address out and you put it on a or, or QR code and put it on a piece of paper and people kept on paying that same address, like that that is reusing addresses. And I wanted to explain a little bit about like why people warn you off from doing that. It's not as bad as most people think. Um, now, uh, if you when you reuse an address, what you're really doing is you're you're losing some privacy. Uh, every every payment that comes in is in the form of a UTXO. Uh, an unspent transaction output and you're basically just saying that all these UTXOs belong to the same person on chain. Someone can look at that address and be like, okay, you know, they might not know it's Alex's uh, address, but if they find out it's Alex's address, now they can uh, correlate all those UTXOs together. What if it's a QR code that they scan? Same thing. So yeah. is that, is that, a, is, is that using the, uh, the QR code is just representing an address, right? It's just saying send to this address. It's just a way that your camera understands. Okay, but it. but when when I when someone scans a QR code for my for Blue Wallet, right? On my oh Facebook. yeah, Blue Wallet's incrementing addresses. So what Blue Blue Wallet's doing is like they'll 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 represent an address as a QR code, and then the next time you go to receive Bitcoin, they're incrementing to a new address with that same QR code. No, well it's a different QR code. And but it's a different the QR address. code that I'm scanning, like. All right, so if, let's say I have a QR code right here, right? Yeah. And it's Blue Wallet. Somebody pays me 20 bucks on this one, Yeah. right? And then like an hour later, I get another $20 payment. That's going to the same address. So that means somebody could easily see that the same address is continued? Yes. So that's what I'm trying to explain is that like, is like oh. if you print out a QR code, that's, that's just representing a Bitcoin address. It's just going to keep on going to the same address. Now, it's not as bad as you think, right? If you haven't been publicizing that Alex owns this address, 
the chances that anyone's going to pick up on this are very, very low unless you've advertised it. I mean, I mean, I'm not real. I mean, it's advertised on my cab where it says scan yeah, a QR yeah. code, but it's not like I'm advertising on the internet. Like, but it doesn't really matter wow. because, like, you know, even if you had like a dynamic screen up there that was like incrementing, like it's it's out there, people can see it, you know, and they're going to correlate those things so anyway. The- now, what I want to get to though is that like, there's not actually a technical risk to that unless you've spent from that address and applied signatures to it, and then you keep on receiving uh, Bitcoin there. Even that attack is kind of like esoteric and weird. Like it's a little bit easier. What if you just send it to cold storage? Is that spend? Uh, it is spending, right? If you're sending it to. If you're sending it to cold storage, what do you mean? Like if I'm just sending it to co- like a co- like a, a different cold, a cold card yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. like or unchained. Like you do want to keep on uh, sending to different addresses that are associated with the same wallet. So I was seeing this before we were recording. Is it like a good way to think about this is that like with with Bitcoin is that you have a private key, right? Yeah. Then you have a, private keys can generate public keys and then public keys generate addresses. And public one public key can generate essentially infinite a- addresses, right? Yeah. And so you want to use a new one every single time. Yeah. That's the best practice. I'm just trying to tell the listeners here if you were to print it out and it just accepted the same address over and over again it's not the end of the world i'm also not accepting that many payments where it's that yeah you know it's not like i've gotten like 100 payments on yeah. blue wallet or anything like yeah. that where it's and so what you did on ZapRite, for instance is you took an address and you put it in and it's generating the qr code where you can accept payments what we did recently probably a couple months ago is that instead of just pasting in an address and white labeling an address that will receive bitcoin over and over again it's a little bit better for you to actually put in the XPUB, the public key, and then ZapRite is going to create new addresses every single time someone's paying you. You can get that in ZapRite now by default. Could you find the XPUB on, on like a blue wallet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, blue wallet, uh, cold card, anything. Where like, do you find Like, I just want to, I'm actually kind of curious. I don't know. I haven't used blue wallet in a while. Right, well, we'll, we'll do it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I'll show you. Okay. Yeah. Cause, and, and can I put the XPUB on the QR code and do that instead, or is that? Well, so if you have a static QR code, this no. isn't going to work. Yeah, it's gonna be the same address every single. So you time. know what I what I could do in the what what what, what, what with your phone you could just you could just show them the QR code. Be a new one. Every and each time, time they scan the QR code on my phone, it's always a new address. Bingo. Oh, so just do that. Yeah, I'm like, it's hey, just pay on my phone, and that yeah. that'd be easier. All right, easy. Yeah, easy. done. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't even put the cold card QR code for the pedicab. Yeah, you can stick it. You can take your uh, XPUB from your uh, cold card, put it onto a payment link in ZapRite, and then. Every time you're done with the thing, if they want to pay in Bitcoin, show it. It'll be a new address every single time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's also pretty bureaucratic. Where no, no one's gonna want to sign into an app and do an invoicing thing after a ride. Well, no, no, no. They don't have to. Oh. Any, it, it works with any wallet they use. So if they have Blue Wallet and you have this little ZapRite thing, they just take it, show show the QR code. And they can pay from whatever wallet they want to. Wow. So I could just show. Okay. So I can. They can pay from Cash App. Because back when I was using ZapRite, I had to go log on to ZapRite and send an actual yeah, yeah. invoice. So it's changed now. Well, now you you still have to open up ZapRite, right? But you can generate something called a payment link. So unlike invoicing, which was really, you know, that's why you would just paste in uh, uh, an address there. Because usually when you're invoicing someone, you're you're expecting a single payment. Uh, For a payment link, payment links are more e-commerce. It's like I'm I'm selling books and lots of people are going to buy this book. Or I'm doing these rides and you have a product. Your product might be I'm doing rides. Your product might be I'm selling books or selling hats or whatever. And uh, there you're expecting multiple payments for the same thing over and over and over again, right? So you generate a payment link and you say, here's a $30 uh, pedicab ride. Or you generate a payment link and say, here's a $10 pedicab ride, right? And whichever one they're using, you open that one up and it's hooked up to your cold card because you paste it in the XPUB. takes 10 seconds, right? And it'll just increment the addresses every single time. 
to what people are paying for. And if you're running a node, you'll get a ping on your phone or something like that, or a ping on. Well, if you're running, yeah, I mean, it depends on what node software you're running or something like that. But yeah, you could be running your own node, and like, you know, that's the ultimate sovereignty right there. Is that like, not only are you. Um... This episode is brought to you by Balcones Roofing and Remodeling. Have you been leaving your house outside again? Texas weather can wreak havoc on your home, especially your roof. And if you haven't had it inspected lately, chances are that outside elements could be making their way inside. Trust Balcones Roofing and Remodeling to perform a thorough roof inspection and offer long-lasting solutions. They are the only five-star rated roofer in Austin who specialize in installing the impact-resistant F-Wave Revia and back all roof replacements with a $20,000 guarantee. To schedule a roof inspection, call 512-937-8805 or visit balconesroofsaustin.com. Uh, I mean, in this case in ZapRite, you're like, you're using our server. But like, there, if you wanted to run your own server, you would do like BTC Pay Server or something like that. Yeah. That, that gets it a little bit. Well, it's more overhead, but like, yeah. yeah. But anyway, the, the, the point I'm trying to make, and I hope this wasn't too convoluted, is that like, is that you now have a choice to not reuse addresses, to have like a standard product that you want to sell on ZapRite. And all, all you need to do is go to your cold card, go to your blue wallet, get this little thing called NextPub, paste it in, and you're done. We got to try to do a demo, maybe do some bonus footage and show yeah, it with us. That'd be fun. Um, is there is it is it an app format or is it just uh, right now? It's just a website. Okay. Yeah. There's no there's no like native apps. We might get into that. Or maybe do a progressive web app. That's all the rage these days. But uh, I yeah. feel like an app for this would be good. It would be really helpful. Sure. Yeah. And there's so many people that there's so many people from so many conferences that come into town. Yeah. And nobody there's always going to be a new way for people to try to invoice. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, especially I feel like restaurants would make a killing off of this. Oh yeah, yeah. We're not doing as much point of sale stuff right now, but like your business actually would translate pretty well to it. Yeah, yeah. Pedicabbing sponsorship. Yeah. If I wanted to do an ad deal, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that would. That could like okay. Yeah. That that is pretty cool. Um, do you still talk with the guys at Unchained? Oh yeah, uh, good friends with all of them. Uh, you know, it wasn't like an acrimonious you know thing. I love Unchained. I still use it. Um, very proud of what we built there. Um, I was there for you know, around three years or so, uh, helping run product and engineering. Um, and yeah, I love it. I love the people there. It's great. It's a great product. These are great people. Every time I have any questions, they will talk to you. Even if it's the most basic thing where I'm like, Hey, let me see if I put the right seed phrase in or something like that. They'll, yeah. they'll guide you through everything. And I, I know it's really annoying because I'm asking the most basic questions and I'm like a five-year-old when I call them. But the fact that like you have an actual company that will take the time to speak with you sure. over like the most basic of questions and not be upset or look an or appear annoyed when they probably are. Oh no, they're not. I mean, that's kind of the basis of unchained. Like the concierge program is, I'm not, I don't pay for any of that. I just have a, I just use them oh, and really? they will answer the phone. You're supposed and... to pay for it, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean like, I mean they have a, they have a, a product uh, called concierge where they walk people through it. Right. Well, now, I, I paid for them to help me set it up. I gave them like 300 bucks okay. to help me set up the multi. No, I think, I think I get you ongoing support. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. So then there you go. Okay. Yeah, you, you, you did grand or something. You like did that. pay like, for it. No, yeah, no, no, no. Right, right. And like that concierge program, it's very intentional. No one's annoyed. This is what they're passionate about. Right. Um, and we have very, you know, highly, uh, uh, it's not your typical customer support person. These people know Bitcoin inside and out, and they know the Unchained use case. And they love and it. And they, and love they understand it. all the hardware wallet world very, very well. Um, 
uh, that team is uh, the concierge team is incredible, and it's one of the biggest values of Unchained is that, you know, again, if you can't keep your Bitcoin secure, that's the number one thing, right? Before you can accept Bitcoin, you have to know that you can keep it secure, and Unchained does a great job of solving that problem. Yeah, have they thought about expanding? Into what? No, like opening up offices in other parts of Texas or something like that. Um. You know, I can't speak to what they're doing now, but like, you know, we spend a lot of time on the road, right? Like we have customers all over the United States, all over the world, really. And um, part of our you know, program, yeah, is that like we wanted to have um, <clears throat> programs in, <clears throat> excuse me, in different geographies. So we spent a lot of time in Houston um, when I was at Unchained uh, at the Houston meetup there. Spent a lot of time in Dallas with like family office type, you know, uh, clients and things like that that, you know, need hyper secure um, storage for, you know, generational wealth and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, but like, I don't think there's any plans to open up a physical office anywhere right now. Because I live out in uh, Johnson City in the Hill Country. Yeah. And beautiful I, place. Beautiful. It's amazing. You got to come out there. It's well, I got there all the time. time. Well, then let me know next yeah. time you're there. All right. Um, but I feel like a place like that like would thrive if they started would thrive if they started widespread bitcoin adopting well i mean like you or know. or like a place like a place like that because everyone wants to move out to the hill country and sure. people there are like more like-minded people to yeah. us versus people in austin um you could attract like i feel like it would just be it would attract a lot of it could attract a lot of support and then like everybody is right in the middle of town and like people can own houses like for a much cheaper price they pay less taxes sure you know no one you don't like all, all the, you know, progressive nonsense that's happening in Austin. You don't have to deal with, like as an employee. You you don't have to deal with it as much. So yeah. I feel like it like, well, the there's, good thing there's a huge door for stuff like that that's not being capitalized. You know, sure. And but I mean, like I said, we have uh, Unchained has customers all over the world. Yeah, is that they're the, Unchained's physical location. I mean, outside of being in a jurisdiction that that would you know support their own. Uh, custody of a of a private key on your behalf or something like that. You wouldn't want to be in a totalitarian state that could easily you know seize something like that. Uh, their physical location is almost irrelevant. I mean, you oh, can call yeah. these people on the phone anytime. Sure, it doesn't really matter yeah. where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I. No, but it's a great company, great people. Uh, I still use it as a customer. Uh, very proud of what we what we've built so far there. Yeah. One of the best Bitcoin companies out there. It's one of the best companies out there, but very few people in the fiat world even know that it exists, and it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten a lot bigger over the last couple of years. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the Bitcoin companies right now are still rather niche, even if they've uh, built up a lot of credibility and uh, in in the Bitcoin world. But you know, that'll change. No, the problem is um, a lot of the uh, a lot of these shitcoiners, so to speak, because <laughs> a lot. Of, you know, it's funny because when I was when we were talking about getting ready for block workers, people like Blockworks, the people at the shop would be like, yo, Alex, bro, these are your people, man. Yeah. These are your people, dude. These guys. These I get that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, no, I was yeah. like, no, these are not my people. <laughs> I cannot stand them. Would you like to hear why? And they're like, no, uh, no, no. So I got to explain it to them. I try to, I try to. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm just like, listen, these people actually destroy, these people actually undermine the value of Bitcoin because these are the people that create the FTXs of the world. These are the people that create the BlockFi's. These are the people who create the Celsius's. Like those are the people who create um, avenues and exchanges that fail and cause people to lose their entire life savings and rug pull people. And then everybody associates Bitcoin with these assholes instead of actual legitimate companies who want to do capitalism correctly. 
yeah i mean that's the that's the affinity scam right uh the you know i don't really care about shitcoiners or their projects or you know anything that they're doing and i I don't hate them as people or anything like that what i mind um is the affinity scam basically uh the the classic affinity scam is finding something legitimate to attach yourself to in order to run your little scam and so like this is why people do it with charity fronts and things like that. An affinity scam is uh, trying to take something legitimate and then do something illicit on the side, but getting the cover of the legitimate thing. And I think that uh, there's a lot of projects um, in the you know crypto space, as it were, and a lot of companies in that space that will basically try to attach themselves to something like Bitcoin that has credibility um, and then uh, use that credibility that they get with Bitcoin in order to run whatever scheme they have, right? Uh, whether that be like a, a protocol or whether that be a company like FTX, right? Is that as Bitcoiners and Bitcoin companies put in the hard work to build up that credibility in the space, um, uh, you know, these people undermine it by doing nasty things and doing illicit things while aligning themselves or at least projecting that they're aligned with, with uh uh, Bitcoin, the protocol, or Bitcoin companies. Uh, that's what I take offense to because that is that is fraud. It, it is, and it opens up the way for central bank digital currencies to start getting accepted into mainstream society. Yeah, I mean, like even that itself is an affinity scam. Uh, what what the CBDC people are saying is like, oh, we love this blockchain stuff, we love all this Bitcoin stuff. That's that's the affinity side of it, right? We just have to do it a little bit different, right? Um, when in reality, what they mean by doing it a little bit different is has nothing to do with bitcoin um and in fact is pretty much as much diametrically opposed to bitcoin as you could possibly be like absolute total control over all issuance of currency and uh, a complete lack of privacy uh, for the end users of that currency which is pretty much the exact opposite reason bitcoin was built but the affinity scam is that like oh bitcoin brought some interesting technology to the world we're going to use the technology just not the protocol that's the affinity scam uh cbdc's are you know i can't it's really hard to think of anything worse that could happen to human society than for central governments to obtain that amount of power and that amount of transparency into the everyday transactions of you know citizens right they already have the ability that they would of course maintain in cbdc's to control the inflation rates and things like that and the actual supply of the money um but uh the privacy benefits are or, sorry the lack of privacy you would have when you can't use cash anymore it's, it's unimaginable yeah and they're trying to use whatever crisis they can to phase cash out of course, yeah. I mean, they've done uh, it in other well, they, parts of the world. They, they, they use the virus as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, even though handing cash doesn't do anything to s- stop or spread COVID in any capacity, mm-hmm. what it also does is it um, when everything goes digital, yeah, it creates more inflation because you still need a supply. There's still a supply issuance of cash that you have to contend with. With when it's all digital. All the Fed has to do is just press a button and you just continue to inflate the supply. So as a result, things just become more expensive. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't understate their ability to inflate, you know, physical cash as well. They can do that at the push of a button. It's a little bit harder, though. It's a little little bit harder harder because you're actually using resources to inflate the physical cash. You still have to chop down trees to inflate. It's marginal, though. I mean, helicopter money has been a thing for a long time, right? Yes. They're going to inflate. It's it's like I think that with CBDCs is that 
the the message people need to hear is that they're going to yes maybe it'll be a little bit easier or whatever on the margins to uh control the money supply in whatever direction they want to which is always up and to the right um however like what you're really giving up like the nightmare scenario is that when i pay you in cash right that is that is a transaction that we don't need permission to do right? yes there's a permissionless uh permissionlessness that comes with cash that um you don't get with credit cards and you don't get with even cash app, you know, uh, spending on someone else's ledger <clears throat> with Bitcoin and cash. It's a permission, a permissionless way to transfer that value in the CBDC world. If they phased out cash at the same time, uh, it would end any way to, to do a permissionless transaction with USD. We wouldn't be able to transact with one another if if somebody didn't like my city council speeches. Oh, of course, right in the yeah. government, and you wanted to um, take a pedicab ride with me and pay me, they would flag you for taking a ride with me because you gave money to a dissident. If someone doesn't you like know? your vac status, if someone yes. doesn't like the color of your eyes, if someone doesn't like your the occupation color. that you've chosen, someone, someone doesn't, yeah, someone doesn't, doesn't like your political beliefs. If somebody, uh, you know, do, yeah, exactly. If somebody. Um, is opposed to kids taking puberty blockers, or if somebody wants to stage a uh, forgive student loan protest, yeah. anything that's deemed a threat to yeah. whatever the establishment no wants, money for you. which is basically financial enslavement and, and dependence, and both of those things facilitate dependence on different avenues. Yeah, you know these CBDCs will are, are a great tool to just cut off anybody who is dissenting. Sure, and I mean, it, and it determines food. Like they could say you can only eat meat on Tuesdays. Yeah, you know you can only drive your car within this within this radius nothing is too arbitrary yeah yeah like this is you live in a 15 minute city for um to that you're in a 15 minute zone because we have to fight climate change mm -hmm. and if you travel outside you're using too much carbon and we have to save the planet and then so well we're not going to arrest you or throw you in jail for traveling outside your zone but if you're outside your zone well we can make it so that your money doesn't work yeah your money only works in your zone yeah, and the funny thing is, is outside of cash, even even in the realm of like online banking and things, we've at least had the illusion that this type of censorship uh, and permissionlessness was was still available to us, um, and it's crept over time. You know, first it was you know uh, pornographers, and you know I'm not here to you know defend pornography, but like um, when payment processors and merchant banks and things like that can censor those transactions, they're they are signaling that we could do it to you too, but. It wasn't us, so we didn't care, right? And then it started to happen to gun shops, right? Okay, well, then that, that, that was personal, right? When Amex start, stopped uh, processing payments to certain gun shops or when Chase stopped taking deposits from certain gun shops, uh, essentially debanking them. But, you know, the, uh, the, the end game was shown very recently with the Canadian truckers, right? Of course, we have this illusion Actually, sorry, the end game actually came before that, but I'll get to that in a second, is that when the Canadian truckers were cut off from the banks, right, when they could not receive the payments, the otherwise legal payments that they were uh, 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 owed, because the Canadian government said, if you do business with them, like, we'll, X, freeze, your bank XYZ, account, yeah. we'll freeze your bank account, or we'll, we'll, you know, fuck with you, XYZ bank, or XYZ, you know, payment processor, GoFundMe, or whatever it was, um, that that dropped any curtain, any veil of permissionlessness uh, outside of cash that you could possibly have with a um, central bank currency, right? Mm -hmm. It was total control. They don't even need CBDCs. If they can do that, th that's what they'll be doing to everyone with CBDCs. Now, CBDCs will make it easier, easier. but they've already shown they can well, do CBDCs it. Well, CBDCs make it so that you have no choice. There's no opting <clears throat> out with the CBDC. Yeah. And then, so you think about other things. I think the real end game was when was when Hugo Chavez tried to get his um, his uh, 
uh, or sorry, not his, but uh, the Venezuelan gold back from the Bank of England. And they just said no. And what I don't think people realize is that, you know, up until this point, you know, when I was a kid, it would have been, it would have taken a war start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But like, it would have taken an act of God for a bank to censor my transactions based off of who I am or who I voted for or what protest I went to or something like that. Like, it just didn't happen, right? There was a sense of, of, um, of banks not acting as arbiters of politics or morality or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and also, people tended to care about their reputations, right? So the Bank of England would fulfill any transaction you know, whether it was Venezuela or United States or, you know, at the drop of a hat, because if they censor one transaction, there's no incentive for anyone to ever custody anything with them ever again. People have dropped that, uh, or many, many institutions have dropped any veil of neutrality and are now censoring in the wide open. Uh, I can't, I mean, you know, Satoshi could see that in 2008, 2009, and uh, that's why we have Bitcoin. Do you? Do you think that um, Bitcoin could have been created by somebody in the State Department or in the intelligence community? Because there is a paper called How to Make... I haven't read it yet, but there yeah. is a paper called How to Make a Mint. And from what I've heard from other people, they have said that um, what's in that paper is kind of similar to what Bitcoin is right now. I think it's very unlikely. Um, I, I don't doubt that there are people that were capable of it, but... Um, the types of people that were interested in cryptography and e-money or e- you know elec- electronic cash, um, they were pretty open. Um, there were only a handful of people. Uh, you know, the the cypherpunk mailing list is very you know famous at this point. But you know, back then it's it's, it's maybe a couple dozen people. Um, maybe some of them were under pseudonyms. Maybe there were even some state actors in there. So. I mean, it's it's. I think it's very unlikely. The people were very well known. We know right. all their names. Well, even even if there are state actors, with the way that it's made, it still, it still offers you a way out. Sure. Um, also, and, the and original the only- Bitcoin protocol, the programming, I think, was a little bit too sloppy to have been a, a state. Uh, there were a lot of problems with uh, Bitcoin when it first came out. And I think that if it was a part of a, a state program or something like that, it would have been a little bit more buttoned up. I think it was truly decentralized, truly, um, you know, open source uh, by regular people. Maybe. But what also could happen is that um, you could, like, in order to get something like a CBDC, because I'm sure they've been trying to, to do something like that. Ever since money became digitized, which was in the 1980s or something like that, was when they first started doing it. Sure. I mean, um, you know that there are people who went to the Bilderberg Group meetings and whatnot that, uh, not to be too Alex Jonesy, but, you know, like, or just like the Davos No, be Alex Jonesy. Back. I yeah, love yeah, Alex okay. Jones. So, yeah. yeah. I was just on Owen Shore's show yesterday. Like, yeah. so, yeah. All right. So, like, you know, there there have always been people who, you know, went to, the, went to Bilderberg back in the 80s when electronic money first started happening. And you know they had meetings about how to... Um, make electronic money a thing in everyday people's lives and use it as a way to solidify power and influence. So it, it, would, it, it is possible that maybe um, during these discussions, they said, okay, well, um, in order for this to become a thing that we want to implement, we can't force it on people. We have to make people want to use it for like, and, and offer selling points to why they're using it. Like, you know, conven- convenience, privacy, um, accessibility, inclusion, um, opting out of whatever the system is or just superior technology. And so perhaps they could have used, um, they could have, 
um, made so, like something like Bitcoin could have been some of these some actor could have been um, complicit or contributed into helping to make something like Bitcoin, knowing that it would appeal to people like us. And then with that blockchain technology, that technology that could have been used in Bitcoin could be could be what they're trying to use to try to enslave us. Well, I don't think you're cynical enough. I think that uh, if that makes sense. Well, no, no, I mean, it does make sense. I mean, but again, I'll say I don't think you're cynical enough that you you actually think that things get done at meetings like that and that they're capable of actually, you know, producing something of value like Bitcoin. Um, I, I and, and you know, look, like I, I, I wasn't into cryptography or anything in uh, 2008, but I was a technologist. And like um, uh, while Bitcoin is uh, derivative in the sense that like it doesn't invent too many new things, it's also incredibly novel in the way that it puts things together. It's ingenious in, in so many ways. And I don't think that, well, I mean, maybe Bilderberg Group, because Bilderberg Group these is- These guys are is, not idiots. They're, 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 the they're, 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 they're titans the of industry. Yeah, these they're are the not smartest people groups. in the world. They, they collab, these, are, these are billionaires who collaborate with academics. Ah, they're too busy collab- fucking yaks, you know, and like uh, blackmailing each other. I don't think that they're going to invent Bitcoin. Oh, I didn't say they invented Bitcoin. I'm just saying that like the idea of, of <laughs> digital money and, and trying to- create something like this was what like was probably something that was talked about for a very long time before bitcoin even happened just in a very that's small, what I'm, that's what i'm saying just like, in a small group of, i mean i was just, around like just in a very small group of people maybe yeah. but back then you didn't see you didn't hear like now you go you can see the davos meetings on youtube because they, they publicly mm-hmm. say it so you know what these lizards at the world economic forum True. metaphorically speaking are um are talking about right but in 1985 you know you like if you said that the Bilderberg group even existed, you're a conspiracy theorist, right? <laughs> so, like, a lot of stuff could have been talked about that nobody even knew was talked about. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. that's 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 what I'm getting at. And look, I'm putting on a huge tinfoil hat here, and it doesn't ch- change the value of Bitcoin. No, I, but you could use that technology um, to try to get people to voluntarily choose the 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 tyranny as like um, because people right now are so degenerate that they'll, that, and so hopeless that they will choose convenience over sovereignty right now. No, I just don't think that's, that's what that's I'm smart. saying. That, yeah, that, yeah. Like, look, uh, I like tinfoil hats. I like making them myself. Okay. Uh, you know, like, you know, I could open up a store with them. Um, sell them on zap right. But, um, <laughs> no, like, again, I think you're just giving them too much credit. I think what Satoshi did was so novel that, uh, these, these morons could never have been that, uh, creative. Uh, I'm sure I think they're being opportunistic, right? Something beautiful was built and they're trying to destroy it now. Um, and they will take the things that they think will help them. Uh, they're parasites. And, uh, and I, I'm not talking about Bilderberg uh, uh, in particular, uh, although like, you know, it seems uh, pretty silly what, uh, 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 what the, that group uh, pretends to do. Um, but what I'm saying is that like the idea around CBDCs uh, the idea around cashless societies, they have been around for a long time, but what they're doing with CBDCs in particular right now could only have happened if there were some private citizen like Satoshi who had created Bitcoin. They're not smart enough to make that. Well, that's good to know. I, I Look, I'm on the camp of believing you. I'm just throwing out mm-hmm. objections. because We are smarter than our enemies. Like, like that's, that's one thing to... Well, yeah, they think men can get pregnant. and, and Yeah, I mean... Like, and that paying more taxes will help make the planet cooler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, or, or that the planet needs to be cooler. I mean, yeah, I mean, like we're dealing with abject well, morons. Well, geoengineering the stratosphere is how you stop global warming. <laughs> you, did you know that? Yeah, cutting apparently. down trees. Apparently, Bill Gates wants to cut down trees in the forest. <laughs> yeah, you know, 
you know, stop the cows from farting and everything will be fine. Don't eat meat. Eat bugs and become allergic to meat to save the, the planet. And then meanwhile, the, the cow population overpopulates. And then, yeah, don't worry. Right, and, man, and, then, is- and then you're not going to have any grass to eat. And so you're all going to starve. <laughs> then you're not going to have any vegetation. This is my type of podcast. All right. Yeah. Here we go. This whole thing is such a clown show. It is. No, uh, but like, again, it would all be quite depressing if we didn't have Bitcoin, but we do. I feel fine. Yeah. I feel, for the most part, I've, the more I've gotten into Bitcoin, the more paranoid I've become. Yeah. But I think it's healthy. It also makes you closer to God. It also makes you value what's important. It makes you like um, do things with a sense of urgency and not procrastinate because you never know. Like You realize the, the, the uncertainty of the world around the you know the world around us and i'm always thinking like oh my god this like i never think anything i have is safe or secure or anything and i'm like okay well if that's the case like i better go to this council meeting i better go work out i better optimize myself i better take advantage of every day that i have on this earth because you know that things aren't you know i better get get a better relationship with god and whatnot because you realize how unstable everything else is in this planet you know yeah i think that you know safedine makes this argument in the bitcoin standard you know back in what 2017 2018 when that came out and uh uh it put into words what i was feeling which is you know if if you can't store value over time um then a lot then your time preference is artificially raised right if i if i make 100 bucks and i put it under my mattress and then two years later it's you know got the equivalent you know uh purchasing power is eighty dollars right it puts me into this high time preference mindset and that mindset can infect other parts of your lives not just you know your monetary one but like your your ability to store things over time to save meat for the winter to store value so you can buy the thing you know uh for your kids when they're older um is a major incentive for how you live your life and it really you know the idea of you know if you fix the money you fix the world I don't think is hyperbolic. I think that it's actually very real. That if you can store value under time, over time, that will lower your time preference for many things in life, not just your propensity to spend. No, I agree. And I, I've said this to a lot of conservative commentators. I talked to that head of the GOP, and mm-hmm. I said this to him, the Texas GOP chairman, that cultural degeneracy and currency debasement go hand in hand with each other. Yes. And a lot of these conservative commentators don't, can't fully grasp that. I think that, um, you know, the conservatives uh, uh, historically have been in power uh, when we debased our currency just as much as the liberals have. Um, I don't see a difference there. Well, I'm talking about the conservative influencers today that are complaining about cultural degeneracy. Oh, sure. Okay. And and these people are like, I had one influencer. I'm like, do you own any Bitcoin? And she's like, no. And I'm like, but you're worried about being canceled and you're not doing anything to protect yourself. They're just pre-coiners, man. Like, we got to help those people. No, I I was. I was really nice to her and we were making jokes and she was like, you know, young. She's like 25 years old or something now. I'm just like, well, like, it's probably something to learn about because, um, and I explained why, but it's like, but but it's horrifying and scary that a lot of these people are just not. It's, it's an odd thing, right? It's, it's that, odd is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's a very odd thing. Well, I think it's, you know, I was the same way when I first learned about Bitcoin. It took me a year plus to take it seriously, right? Um, now, you know, and I had all of the, what, prerequisites for the things, you know, I had an economics degree. I'd been, been a programmer. I had thought about PGP and cryptography before. You know, I didn't know it at the level that a lot of people do, but uh, I was interested in all these things. And it still took me over a year to understand what the hell was going on with it. And I think that one of the surprising things is that when you, it doesn't matter what political persuasion or, uh, or, you know, uh, 
economic theory someone you know uh, follows or something like that when you question someone's understanding about money it's personal it actually pisses people off when i remember you know i i, I had a lot of trouble with gold bugs uh back when i was in my early 20s i didn't get it and it made me mad to talk to them right now looking back on that like why was i mad it's probably because i didn't understand what the fuck i was talking about and, and then they make you look stupid by by having course, these really basic yeah, arguments gold bugs yeah, yeah. make me look stupid all the time back then right yeah and but that's a natural thing is because you take something that you should know something about but no one knows anything about that could, i didn't know anything that could about be why it. i have kind of really whenever i have financial people in my pedicab yeah like i i have some really awkward interactions with them when i would give rides to them it makes people angry yeah. They, they pay, and sometimes it's fun, but there, like there are times when it, it definitely is like yeah, no, it, it, it's one of the shocking things I've learned over the last you know ten twelve years uh, talking to people about Bitcoin is a lot of people's first reaction is is not like confusion or dismissiveness, it's anger. It's a scam. People think it's a scam. Bitcoin's a scam. Crypto's a scam, and I'm like, well, a lot of these projects are, but Bitcoin isn't. But by you the, should learn about it. But by the way, like I'm I, I'm not disappointed with people's reaction to that. I actually understand it, you know, pretty well now, and um. The first reaction being it's a scam is actually a pretty good defense mechanism to have in general. Like, like that's not someone to be taken lightly. Like, oh, um, I know, I, I agree. Yeah. I actually agree with you. I, I don't get mad when people say that. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, like, why do you feel that? Way? You're like, well, why do yeah. you feel that way? And then you explain. And then when you explain things, generally speaking, what I've known from doing activism is that the calmer and more measured you are, sure. the more your argument has weight. Yeah. And so if you're if you're calm and you're measured and you're empathetic and you listen to people, you will th 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 then everything takes care of itself. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that Bitcoin took off so well in the United States because again, like say what you will about the dollar and I'll say a lot of things about it. Um, relatively speaking, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great fiat currency when compared to other ones, well, right? it's the best. Even with the bricks, it's still, it's still DXY's. Yeah, yeah, everyone wants it. It's in hey, demand, hey, right? Um, real quick before we, before we go because we're about to yeah. wrap up. How do you, what, are your, what are your fears regarding a cyber attack and how, how would something like Bitcoin withstand a comprehensive cyber attack like somebody like a Klaus Schwab has been referring to constantly? And you're seeing a lot of cyber failures happen, happening, uh, especially here. You got missing F-35 jet planes and whatnot. Um, how, how, do, how, do you, um, how worried are you about something like that happening with the fact that it feels like we're being primed more and more and more primed for, for that type of stuff? And like, how does Bitcoin withstand that? So am I worried about it? Not particularly. Um, there are the, the type of attack that I'm most worried about um, really comes from within. It's like a bug in the software, right? A, bu a bug that's intentionally introduced that would inflate the supply of Bitcoin. Now, luckily, the only way to do that is through a hard fork. Um, uh, and, uh, and so uh, that's why there's a lot of Bitcoiners that have built up a defense mechanism around being unbelievably skeptical of any hard fork attempt is because the only way to compromise Bitcoin's uh, 21 million cap is through a hard fork. That's why I would argue that uh, there, I don't think we'll see another hard fork. Um, uh, that's not an existential crisis to Bitcoin, um, you know, outside of that existential crisis. It just won't happen anymore um, uh, to protect that 21 million limit. Other types of cyber attacks, you know, EMPs and, you know, things like that that can knock out internet or electricity over, you know, large swaths of areas. 
like I'm sure they'll happen around the world at different times. Uh, I think Bitcoin is fairly resilient. I think the internet in general is fairly resilient against these types of attacks. It can temporarily make certain ge geographic areas um, not be able to talk to each other and things. Or like you might that. be able to send or use the 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 money until the internet yeah. comes back. But yeah, but but like as an unchained customer, like do I have to worry about like if something like that happens or a big data breach occurs, like my funds are still safe at Unchain. Yes. Uh, yeah, these are all very different types of attacks, right? So uh, data breaches at custodians, uh, the way Unchained is is put together is, you know, Unchained could be compromised as a company or as a web server or as, you know, something like that. But Unchained doesn't hold your funds, right? Unchained is participating with you in custodying your funds. Uh, the two of three multisig means that Unchained has access to a single key. If that key were to be compromised, um, the the main thing that you should be worried about at that point is how do I get into a new how do I basically get out of this custody arrangement with Unchained? You would send the Bitcoin somewhere else into to another. and they would tell you that 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 was compromised or somebody tried it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope so. Yeah, um, but even if you didn't know, right, and then it just came out one day that Unchained signed a transaction that you weren't expecting or something like that, they can't move the money unilaterally. That's the beauty of Unchained. Now, if you're at Coinbase and they're compromised, like you could be in some trouble, right? Yes. Um, but uh, that's the whole point. Uh, like, you, you know, Bitcoin is a bearer asset with multisig. Is one of the beautiful things about it is that um, is that you can have unbelievable state level security over your own funds for a couple hundred bucks. Like that's incredible. Right. It's unbelievable. Unlike gold where like, you know, the reason Fort Knox exists is because people want to send their gold there because they can spend way more on, on physical security than anyone else is that what you can do and what Coinbase can do. Coinbase needs to secure, you know, tens of billions of dollars. You need to, uh, uh, uh you know, save thousands you know, of dollars. Y'all can get the same security posture. Yes, yes. That, that makes That's sense. amazing. Yeah. That that makes sense. And especially with like air, air gap transactions, it yeah, seems like that's exactly. actually the safest thing. Or one of the safest. And plus gold, if you get a house fire, you're done. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Or what if Fort Knox or, or the, the, the gold, you know, the, 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 the vault doesn't let you take your gold back. Well, there's no that, gold you know? in Fort Knox. I mean, well, you know, what I mean, you know what I mean, though, right? Yeah. I was yeah. trying to put on the tinfoil yeah, hat. There's, there's no actual there. gold there. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all a scam. All right. Yeah. Um, Will, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, I'm Will Cole on Twitter. Um, that's the best best place. Um, not really anywhere else. Um, also, uh, Will at Zapright. If anyone uh, wants to check that out or get a demo. What about Nasser, you share that. I'm on Nasser. Yeah, yeah. I, I have like an inpub. I have 30 followers. My, my I, mean, I need to build that up. I'd rather use that than Twitter, honestly. Yeah, Nasser rules. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. They need to let, to let you post longer videos, which is kind of annoying. Well, I'm sure. You, I mean, you can if you can find to, someone like, to host send it. Send a link or something. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. They got to. Way decentralized things work, man. Someone's really? got to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's what it is. All right, Will, thanks for coming on. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Mm -hmm.